Thursday, June 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann, Bill Barker, and Tim Hanson. We've just cleaned out the first floor, basically. Even Tony, I mean, Tony's on the other side of the glass. We're all here. Everybody, everybody's Tony's here. Tony's up next time. Because it is, uh, it is annual shareholder day for Motley Fool Asset Management, so we'll be heading to that event after we tape this. But, uh, uh, but let's dispense with the business of market foolery. We're going to talk uh, Ben Bernanke, emerging markets, a business icon who was just kicked to the curb. But, uh, but let's start with the Fed chief. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, Ben Bernanke at a press conference talked about how the economy is expanding strongly enough for the Federal Reserve to begin slowing the pace of bond buying later this year. And you would think, and I'll just start with you, Bill Mann, you would think that maybe that would be viewed as good news and then, you know, cue the freakout, which has continued <laughs> into Thursday morning. The, the market, you know, dropped a, a, a percent or more just in late trading on Wednesday and is and is down this morning. Yeah, I just kind of don't know what people expect that he was going to do. At some point, they were going to stop buying bonds in the same volumes that they've been buying for basically the reason that the economy is expanding. This is all good news. I mean, basically, they have they, they have put a put under various parts of the market for years now, which I guess is okay for you know for 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 people who are trying to play that. But if you're an investor, what you want is an economy that's healthy, and that put doesn't suggest that the con- the economy is healthy. This does. I mean, to to me, it's going you know it, it's going to royal some parts of the market. But this is good news, Tim. When you when you look at the reaction, it's almost as though there are investors out there who think that the bond buying is going to go from eighty-five billion a month to zero just immediately, <laughs> one month to the next, as opposed to this one guy on. who didn't get the memo. Well, right. and, 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 and I guess that's what puzzles me to some degree that that there's this. Well, I think I think overreaction. Well, yeah, I think there's some disconnect where where people who are participating in the market and in business. Don't necessarily agree with the assessment of the Federal Reserve and, and yeah. Bernanke that the economy is actually healthy. I mean, unemployment is still stubbornly high. You know, the home sector, the housing sector is coming back gradually, but it hasn't showed nearly the momentum um, it would need to really get the country back closer to full employment. Or you know, so. I mean, there are still some some significant underlying problems, and I think the fear in the stock market is when when you remove that. You know that put option, as Bill referred to it, um, it's just going to relapse back into a downturn. And so I think you know reasonable minds can disagree, but I think that explains why the market has reacted. And and you know time will tell if uh, if Bernanke's right or if the market's right. I do think it's interesting. You 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 look at the uh, you look at politicians and look at the leading economists and you know and 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 what they've said. And it sort of differs from common sense. You know, a, a, a lot of Americans believe. That you know that the market has risen rapidly because of the put, and it's something that can go on forever until it has to stop. And you know, as long as it's not stopping, perhaps you know they you know they believe that things are going to remain okay. But just because something you know just because there isn't a crisis doesn't mean that there isn't a problem. Yeah, I, I suppose that those who are selling today and selling yesterday might be the ones who thought this time there's a free lunch. That is, we can have an improving economy and interest rates at essentially zero forever. Maybe. Maybe not, but so far we're getting that. 
you know, and the economy keeps getting a little better, a little better, and interest rates are staying at zero, and the Fed is still doing things as if the economy were in a lot of trouble. So it was the best of all worlds, which translated into all-time record highs, you know, for, for the stock market. So you remove one small part of that equation, which is not the the economy is improving part, which I think is the one you most want to have, rather than the interest rates are zero forever, right. which is, you know, there's a double-edged sword to, yeah. to that part. Important thing to note, the market is where it was a month and a half ago. <laughs> right. Right. Don't yeah. put that out. Um, when you look at emerging markets, and Tim, we were talking about this earlier this morning, you had pointed out this uh, uh, this article, I think, on Barron's website about... How and maybe this is part of. Did you just plug another website? Sorry, I, 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 <laughs> cut. <know> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> on the Motley Fool has written about this issue. Is this, that what this, you're this saying? This will be edited out in post. That's what I'm, you I'm, couldn't so find. You know he's lazy. You know he's not going to do anything. <laughs> you're the one who sent him the link, and now you're blaming him That's for reading for the link that you sent. Oh, Please enough, continue, news enough. talker. <laughs> um, just the whole notion, and, and maybe this is part of what has fueled, uh, to some small degree, the U.S. market, is just emerging markets not only have not been performing well this year, they've been dramatically underperforming. It's been epic. It's been an epic six months. It's uh, been in a bad way. An epic emerging voyage, markets. would you say? Maybe. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, emerging markets have underperformed the S&P 500 by 28 percentage points this year. So the 15% gain in the S&P has been matched by a 13, 13% decline in emerging markets, and <clears throat> in context, that's extraordinary. That's, I mean, it's an extraordinarily delta between the two. You know, in, in a world that people a few years ago were generally saying was, you know, globalizing, and and that you know everything was going to correlate more and more. Um, you know, what explains it? There are a variety of things. Obviously, emerging economies are, are closely tied to commodity prices at present, and those have been moving down. You know, more more recently than they were in the past. Um, y- y- They've probably already gotten credit in the past for being not quite being as leveraged as as Europe and the United States valuations there were previously probably higher on a relative basis than the developed world. And, you know, with the the Fed signaling that interest rates in the United States might start to creep back up again, um, there's a hypothesis that people who were just sort of yield hunting in the emerging world can come back to safer shores for for their returns, um, which will cause a perhaps a further decline in the emerging markets. You know, but Historically speaking, you know, emerging markets, when they've gotten crushed, has been a fantastic buying opportunity. And, yeah. and you know, I think the fundamentals that, that underlie the growth of the consumer in those markets, um, you know, globalization, which does continue apace, you know, I th- I th- you know and, and the relative valuations as they are now, where, you know, things in the United States look pretty expensive. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been pretty excited to go to go shopping out there. I was just going to say, because... It seems like for the amazing run that the U.S. stock market has had, it has become harder and harder for investors to find value uh, or or really good value in the U.S. market. Is it now just the happy hunting ground in emerging markets? I mean, are, not is, yet. Not yet. I mean, there's a great there's there's a great paradox in investing is that it's hardest when it seems like it should be the easiest. You know, when everybody's out there making money, that's when for us it's pretty tough, and people don't recognize that it's tough, and perhaps it's hard because they don't recognize it. So emerging markets were 
the place to be for for a number of years, really for a lot of the the reasons that that Tim said. There are companies that you know, and and I want to point out that we are not we don't make market calls. We're looking on a company by right. company basis. But but a lot of the companies that uh, that we would like to buy in these markets have been really priced out of where we would feel comfortable entering you know entering into a position. So. I love the fact that we, you know, that, that things are coming back to earth. And so some of the areas that, that we would like to participate in a declining market, we may have an opportunity to do so. Anywhere in particular, uh, looking attractive to you right now, or, uh, and that can be geographically or that can be, um, on an industry basis. Um, are there, are there areas where you, where you s- sort of find yourself gravitating towards? Everywhere where there are riots. <laughs> There's an increasing number of places. I was just going to list. I was Brazil, just say, I mean, Brazil, Turkey, yeah, um, yeah, Detroit, Syria, Syria. <laughs> <laughs> not Syria. <he's> just <laughs> yeah, uh, Brazil certainly. Uh, Turkey was one of the best performing markets in 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 the world over 2012. So I don't know that it's come back enough. Um, Though it's a market that we think very highly of, uh, for lots of reasons. South Korea, n- no riots there yet. I should point out, uh, but they have a crazy neighbor. Um, so those are markets that we that that we are finding things of interest. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Market Foolery. Uh, it's our Twitter handle. Um, You're not planning that trip to Syria. <laughs> Got canceled. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Um, a comment from uh, one of our listeners, Vincent Young, on Twitter uh, in response to our conversation a couple of days ago about the uh, the different properties in the entertainment world that may get refreshed. Vincent Young suggesting uh, if there's going to be a, a, a reboot of the Mr. Magoo franchise, Bill Murray. Maybe not a bad, maybe not a bad suggestion. There's certainly, I think, a little bit more plausible than James Franco, which is who another listener suggested. Um, <laughs> Uh, he would be more handsome. Yeah, he would be imminently more. That would be a serious <laughs> reboot. Um, Men's Warehouse, uh, speaking of uh, performance, Can't get enough of this Men's story. Warehouse uh, stock is up about 30% in the last year. That is uh, significantly better than the stock market in general. Uh, and yet the big news is that the board of directors has fired George Zimmer, the founder, executive chairman, and the pitch man, if you've ever seen the commercials or heard them on the radio, he is the guy. That they no longer like the way he looked. <laughs> exactly. Um, How long were you working on that? I just, <laughs> you just came to just came to you? Was it, that was good. It wasn't bad. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty good. What are you guys making this story? I mean, that, was that Larry King saying that? <laughs> that, that was Larry King crossed with George Zimmer. It was not a great. It was not a great. Um, but they just said it was good. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. You're our boss. <laughs> Everybody loves Larry King impressions. Um, what do you guys make of this story? You have the board firing the founder. They have canceled the uh, annual shareholder meeting. Postponed. Postponed, I think. I but they yeah. haven't said when it's going to be. Yeah. They are making no comment about why he has been fired. Um, and there's now a backlash uh, from consumers, people who are fans of the company, are fans of Zimmer. There are you know, hundreds of people on Facebook. Hundreds. Uh, hundreds. Hey, you know what? <laughs> that's, that's, Again, it's, it's hard. When people hear about this Twitter phenomenon, that's, really that's probably more of an off. indictment of Facebook at present than it is George Zimmer. But. It is. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, he stepped down uh, in 2011 as CEO of the company and was, was on, uh, executive uh, on the board. And the 
uh, earnings per share of the company have doubled since he uh, gave the reins over to um, the new guy over there. And so if there, if we believe what has come out so far, which is he has gone and his reaction to that was they're trying to silence me because of my criticisms of where the company is going, then the market's reaction so far to this, which has not been very severe, it's, it's only down a couple percent on two bad days for the market. So yeah. it's really kind of tracking the market. So a non-event to, to investors over an incredibly limited period of time, right, is makes sense. I mean, if he's removing himself from the equation and all we know right now is he's not going to be allowed to meddle in the company anymore, it seems like it's in pretty good hands. Now, there may be a lot more to the story than that, but the market hasn't been given any more information than that. So yeah. the reaction so far makes more sense than it appears to. Yeah, two theories. One, that he has done something very bad and it hasn't been disclosed yet. I mean, that's that's when you see a situation like this where a company completely distances itself from a person, that's an obvious inference. The other is that this is a King Lear type situation where he ha- he stepped down as CEO in 2011, but has been vocal about the fact that he does not like the direction that the company is going in. And you could see this has happened before. It happened with Starbucks when Jim Schultz, Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz, Howard, Howard Schultz stepped down, Jim Schultz, um, and just sat on the sideline and was pulling strings, and the, the CEO that he put in place couldn't really do anything because people would say, well, we'll just go to Howard. So it really could be the situation here where you have a founder, the former CEO, who let go but can't really let go, and so they've, they, they have solved that problem. To me, the most interesting nugget in all of this is that one thing that the company has said is that they have – 500 hours of video footage of George Zimmer, and they have the legal right to continue to use his name, his likeness. So George Zimmer could still be appearing in men's warehouse commercials <laughs> for years to come, uh, and ostensibly there's nothing he can do about that. Um, but this, uh, Tim, we were talking yesterday um, about Christine Day, the CEO at Lululemon. Yep. Um, and this is something we had talked about on Market Foolery. Um, uh, I was surprised uh, and thought uh, that her departure was maybe a situation where she had gotten pushed. You actually have a different take. Yeah, you know, I think if you've been watching the trends at Lululemon, which is, uh, you know, a stock that a year, two years ago I thought was really interesting despite kind of the high price tag. But then you, you start digging into the numbers and, you know, for, for a, a fairly long period of time now, their inventory growth has been outpacing their, their sales growth. I visited some stores and, 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 and the clerks or the, the people on the floor were saying how they'd taken out the sales rack and just sort of surreptitiously integrated markdowns into the regular inventory because they were having too many markdowns. So it looked like too much of the store was on sale. Always a bad sign. Which is a bad, you know, it's yeah. a bad yeah. sign that they're pushing too much inventory. You know, then they had some quality control concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a company that, that clearly has some issues. And obviously, uh, uh, she has, over the past five years, has led the company to extremely lofty heights. Right. And and to me, you know, walking away, she's not an older person. I mean, she probably has a long professional career ahead of her from here. Um, she's made quite a bit of money in, in cash and, and, and stock. I, I suspect from a legacy perspective, she really didn't see much to gain over the next five years from focusing on fixing things that may have been the result of the hyper-growth 
strategy that she put in place. Um, I think it could be a could be a, a rockier period of time for Lululemon going forward than it than it was in the past. And at the, at the you know current valuation, I think investors should yeah. you know take the signal that she's giving you. I mean, this is the CEO of the company leaving on her own yeah. volition. I think in theory, the person who knows the most the about most the about company. the company yeah. and, between um, the two. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, and and, and you know. There are enough questions floating around on Lululemon's balance sheet, financial statements, that you could say, you know, I, I have a I have a strong hypothesis that the answer to these questions is is negative rather than explainable. Right. Yeah, I think that between the two, Men's Warehouse and Lululemon, the one to be much more concerned about given recent events is Lululemon. For more information from these guys, you can uh, sign up for declarations, their free monthly uh, commentary newsletter uh, at foolfunds.com. That is foolfunds.com. Before we wrap up, uh, a sad note um, only tangentially in the world of business, and that is James Gandolfini, Tony Soprano, dead at the age of 51. Um, uh, just sad. Just, just one of those things that, you know, given... What is the tangential relationship here? Well, the tangential is... is, I think there was a book, like Business Lessons from the Sopranos. You go on Amazon and you look. There are several business books that have been written, sort of the management style of Tony Soprano, Business Lessons from the Sopranos, that sort of thing. Um, You know, so there's that. Also, The Motley Fool did make an appearance in... The Sopranos. Do you remember this, Bill Man? Yeah, it's like we're uh, we're we're James Gandolfini's co-star. Uh, <laughs> I believe if I if, if I remember, did we get an Emmy for our work on The Sopranos? We did not. We did Dang. not. So yeah, we were, season we were, we were an uncredited uh, guest star. I think here's something for, power behind the throne. Something really. for people to look up uh, if they have HBO Go or something like that. Season four, episode one. Uh, Tony Soprano's wife is concerned about financial issues, is thinking, you know, we need to diversify. We should be investing. Out of crime. Yeah, we should. <laughs> and so, and so uh, she, later the, uh, you see Car- uh, Carmela uh, at the computer, and, and where is she looking for investment advice? Fool.com. So yeah, she uh, should have been. There's a little well nugget to, to look for, a little Easter yeah. egg there. Season hey, way to four. plug our website this time. Episode yeah. <laughs> That's right. She's not going to Barron's. She's not going to Bloomberg.com. <laughs> She's going to Fool.com. Was she at FoolFunds.com? It did not exist oh. back then. Oh. But, you know, if, if she's playing out that episode <laughs> yeah. now, maybe she is. Yeah. But we're, it is, it's very sad news. And, yeah. you know, at 51, I was actually, I was actually surprised because, you know, I thought he was substantially older than that. But, yeah. You know, just very much. Yeah, just way too soon. Well, and if you're Bill Barker and, and 51 is right around the corner, you got to be nervous. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for today. <laughs> <Thank Market you, laughs> Chris. Bill Barker, Bill Man, Tim Hanson. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.